Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. Now, I don't watch a ton of movies, but Ryan and Leo were out of town for one night this weekend, so I did get to turn on Netflix, Amazon Prime, and pick a movie to watch, and I chose Women Talking. Has anyone seen this movie? It's an important movie that's out right now. It was written and directed by Sarah Polly. It's based on a book of a terrifyingly true story of women in a Mennonite community in Bolivia who were drugged, sexually abused, and beaten for years. Now, as the movie opens, the women are in a hayloft above a barn, and they have reached their breaking point. Some of their attackers were taken to jail in the nearby city, and the other men of the community have gone to bail them out. So the women have this moment in time to decide what they're going to do next. And here are their choices. Their choices are A, do nothing, forgive and forget, B, stay and fight, or C, leave their community and start again. Now the women cast their ballots with making X's. None of them are educated, but they knew how to vote. And it's tied for two options, that they will either stay and fight or that they will leave the community and start anew. Over a couple of days, they select women from three leading families, all generations, to make this decision, whether they will stay and fight or whether they will leave and start again. So the movie follows these conversations of the women talking as they reckon with their faith and their desire to protect themselves and their families. It is an incredibly touching story. Let me know if you watch it and you don't cry. (laughs) I need to record that. But if you are a Christian, it is not an unusual story at all. If you are a follower of God, you will recognize this narrative. You know the story, the Exodus story that our scripture passage was from for today. It's a community story of liberation of liberation from oppression, and it's foundational to the faith of Jews, to Christians, and it has a particular role to play we've seen through the millennia for people who are oppressed. Whenever a group finds itself in desperate circumstances of poverty, of oppression, the Exodus story, the foundational story of our faith, comes into play. We've seen it through the years. We see it in the spirituals of the black slaves in the American South. Go down Moses, way down in Egypt land. You see it too in the modern liberation theologies of Latin America, 
And we see it in cinema with the Mennonite women talking. Because as our scripture passage reminds us today, the Hebrew people, our ancestors of faith, were once enslaved in Egypt. The earliest chapters of the book of Exodus paint the story of what it was like for them. And it says clearly in scripture that the kings of Egypt reserved the worst jobs for the Hebrew people on purpose. They were given difficult positions in mortar and bricks, every kind of field labor. They were oppressed. They were made bitter, is what scripture says. And it also says that God hears their cries and that God moves Moses to take the people up and out of slavery. There are plagues to beat all plagues, the parting of the waters to rescue them, crashing waves that come down and drown Pharaoh's army, and the people move forward to the new land that is promised, spending time in the wilderness for 40 years. And that's where we found them today, in the wilderness, in the desert. I love the godly play curriculum for children. Whenever you get to a desert story, you reach over and you pull out on wheels this huge box of sand. And you start running your hand over the sand and you say to the children, the desert is a hard place. No one wants to go into the desert. The sun burns you, there is no water, the wind comes and changes the landscape. You only go into the desert if there's an army running after you. So we find the people of God in the desert and they wander there for 40 years. The people are in such dire straits that today we hear they don't have bread, they don't have water, and today we hear that they complain. They murmur, some translations say. They push back against Moses, against Aaron, against God. The desperate Hebrews cry out, why did you bring us out of Egypt, Moses, just to starve us? They say they would rather be back as slaves because then they would have something to eat. It gets so bad that at one point, Moses really thinks they're about to stone him, to kill him, because they are about to watch their children die and their livestock and all that they're counting on and hoping for. Now, most of the time, when we talk about this passage and the complaining in the wilderness, and maybe you've heard about it before, most of the time, when we talk about the Israelites in this passage, we dismiss them as disgruntled, right? How could they not remember these amazing and good things that God has just done for them? The Red Sea parted so recently, just two chapters ago. Why in the world would they want to go back to their flesh pots in Egypt? Why would they complain against God? But, when you sit with the text, you see 
that they're not just whining or getting themselves worked up about something. If you look at scripture, the problems are real. They have no bread. There's no water. They are in the desert and their children are about to die. One commentator I read turned from theology to biology to make the case that they would have only lasted for one long day in the desert. So when you take into account the temperature in the desert, when you take into account the exertion of the physical journey, they could have 20 miles or one long day before they would die. So of course they complain. Other translations use language like chided or quarreled or murmured. Maybe protest is a better word for it. In scripture, the people protest. And God, do you see what God does? How God responds to their needs? You need food? Okay, bread from heaven it is rained down enough for each day. You want water? Okay, Moses, go on up to the rock. Take the elders with you, use your staff and strike it, and water you're going to see. God, it seems, is not dismissing the Israelites the way we might have as complainers, as disgruntled, as just getting worked up, as needing to settle down. No, God understands that they have basic needs and that pushing back against Moses, the questioning of God, it's important work for these people who were just so recently slaves. It is the work of becoming a people You see, no one, no one had wanted good for them for a very long time, right? For generations, they were treated unjustly, they were dealt with bitterly for years, they were condemned, degraded, they were killed. They didn't know they could demand water. They didn't know that they could ask for bread. Under Pharaoh, they had not been allowed to use their own words and determine their wants. They weren't allowed to express their desires. Remember, even Moses started out with a stutter. Coming from Egypt, the Hebrew people had a hard time believing in their own worth. So in their wilderness wanderings, They experiment with raising their voices in demand. We want this. We need this. And God responds. In the movie, there's a character named Mara who becomes somewhat of a leader. She is played by Mara Rooney, so now I'm thinking I might have the character's name wrong. I'll get back to you on that. But she is not, has not taken a traditional Mennonite road. She has not married. 
And although women are not educated, she seems to know a lot about different things like celestial navigation or the migration patterns of butterflies, and she becomes a leader of the group. At an early point in the discernment process, she says, if they leave, they're going to have to dream up what new type of community that they want to be. They decide that in this new community, all women and men will be educated, that there will be joint decision-making. And she says that hope for the future is better than hatred of the present. But recognizing that they have not been allowed to think of themselves as worthy or as having something to say, she has this to offer the women. When we've liberated ourselves, we will have to ask ourselves who we are. We will have to ask ourselves who we are. That is the major work of one of the other characters in the film. Her name is Marika, and she's the lone holdout, if you've seen the film. She has a lot of anger about having to make this decision. She's having a hard time of conceiving of leaving. All the women, though, decide, this is spoiler alert, that in the morning they'll gather an hour before dawn and they will bring all their things and they will leave. So the women go back to their homes that evening. America a little uncertain, unclear. But when she shows up in the morning, we know that her husband has been home because she shows up bruised and battered and her teenage daughter shows up beaten too. And after that terrible night, she now has clarity about her worth, about what she deserves. And this is who she says they are. They are people who a, deserve to keep their children safe. B, deserve steadfastness in faith. And C, they are a people who deserve to thank. Our catechism says that the chief end of our existence the whole point of our being here is to glorify God and to enjoy God forever. Our point, the reason we are created is to offer God thanks, to offer God our praise. So if you ever find yourself wondering about whether or not you deserve to get out of Egypt, whatever that might be for you, Remember this, you deserve to think. It is foundational to who we are. It's fundamental as Christians. It's a part of our history, our story, that once you were no people and now you are God's people. That God is your God and you are God's people. You will open your mouth and praise will pour forth. And you cannot do that 
if you are enslaved. There are many ways that the world talks us down from believing in our own worth. It could be about sexuality, race, ethnicity, gender identity. Whatever it is, you can be made to feel you deserve less than others, maybe because of your age or your mental health history or developmental delay, chronic illness. It can be situational. Maybe it's a bad relationship, a demeaning work situation. It can certainly be connected to religious institutions, which is what this movie is about. The hypocrisy of Jesus' message being brought to keep people down. Whatever your Egypt, it can be hard to believe that God wants good for you here. But know this, you deserve to thank. You're created to praise. God intends good for you here. It's at the heart of our faith. It is a liberation story. So remember, friends, whatever your Egypt, you were designed to praise. Thanks be to God. Time without end. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.